If you're like me, you care about getting the most from your workouts, which means wearing the finest performance gear. You know, fabric that dries quickly and has superior moisture wicking properties. Fabric so soft and comfortable, you could, well, curl up and sleep in it. Introducing Sheeks, spelled S-H-E-E-X, the world's first performance bedding line. Sheeks began when two former elite athletes and coaches had an aha moment, combining everything we love about quality performance fabric with everything we love about comfortable, irresistible bedding. Unlike traditional sheets that trap heat, sheets are breathable, so you aren't constantly waking up to throw off covers or add a blanket. So you sleep deeper, longer, and better. And sheets bedding looks as good as it feels. Colors and styles that can match any decor at a price that will pleasantly surprise you. And right now, you can try sheets for 30 nights risk-free. Just go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com 1212. This is our number one of the World According to Zig podcast for this February 17th, 2019. My name is John Ziegler. I'm the host of the show where you can still get the truth about the news of the day from a conservative perspective in this world turned upside down. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. And if you didn't catch the last episode of the World According to Zig podcast, then you need to know that we've started a brand new podcast in addition to World According to Zig, called Individual One. This is done twice a week via the Global Story Network, distributed internationally by them, which focuses on Donald Trump, obviously, him being Individual One from the Michael Cohen filings. And you can check that out. The best way to do it is to go to our website, freespeechbroadcasting.com, and there is a link to where you can find that podcast. You can also, if you're on Twitter, go to the Individual One Podcast page, which is Individual, the number one pod. That's Individual Number One Pod, or my own Twitter handle, which uh, tweets it uh, quite frequently, which is Zygmunt Freud. Hope you have enjoyed those episodes. Uh, This one was another good one we did today, episode number five. So uh, please do check that out and make sure you subscribe to that show if you can and rate and review it. It's very important that you do. Uh, every little bit helps as we try to get that off the ground. And so far, we've done pretty well. Our Twitter, Twitter handle has over 5,000 uh, followers and growing, and we hope to get that number higher. So uh, thanks so much for your support on that. Uh, it does change the way we do the World According to Zig a little bit. That doesn't mean we won't talk at all about Trump on the World According to Zig podcast. It just uh, lets me have the opportunity to focus on some other things other than just Donald Trump. Our number two of the World According to Zig podcast is an interview that you will not want to miss that does deal uh, with Donald Trump, and that is with our good friend, Democratic Congressman John Yarmuth, who is now chairman of the Budget Committee and was uh, someone who played a big role in the negotiations involving the wall and the uh, continuing resolution to keep the government funded, and he has some very provocative things to say about how Trump did in those negotiations. Uh, Spoiler alert, not well. Correct. Uh, In fact, uh, he says that, that as I predicted he would, that Trump got crushed. Uh, So make sure that you check that out. Plus, he um, indicates that he has now adopted my position on Donald Trump's potential impeachment. So you won't want to miss that. 
uh, hour number two of the World According to Zig podcast. We also use that in the Individual One podcast as well. So all sorts of opportunities for you to check out Congressman uh, John Yarmouth uh, today uh, uh, because obviously a lot of news going on that involves him. And we will get to some of that a little bit later on in this particular hour of the World According to Zig. But uh, I wanted to start with non-Trump news. And specifically, although there is a Trump angle to this, no question about it, uh, a potentially very big Trump uh, angle involving this. In fact, I wrote a column for Mediate, which you can see at freespeechbroadcasting.com, that connects the story I'm referring to, which is the Jussie Smollett, now being referred to as a hoax, hate crime allegation out of Chicago from a couple of weeks ago. In the last edition of the World According to Zig podcast, I told you that the story was not true. Now, this is uh, hardly unusual for me to be ahead of the curve when it comes to telling you that stories that the news media is in love with uh, are, are, is it not, in fact, true. Um, this has happened numerous times before, and not just with the so-called uh, Joe Paterno, Jerry Sandusky, Penn State story, but there have been many other times where I have said, hold everything, uh, this is not true. My favorite, which I refer to in today's column, connecting the Smollett situation to whether or not the media is playing right into Donald Trump's hands, my favorite example of these obviously fake stories that the news media keeps uh, just buying right into blindly happened a couple of years ago at Christmas time. Some people uh, hopefully remember this because this was this was a classic, and I, I was the first person really in the national news media, if if anywhere, to say, hold on a second. And I'm referring to this uh, story, you may recall, this viral Santa Claus. There was a viral Santa Claus who, and when I say a viral Santa Claus, it was a story about a Santa Claus that got went viral. And the story was that this Santa Claus from from Knoxville, Tennessee, had uh, cradled this five-year-old boy in his arms as he died uh, with his last wish to see Santa Claus, and he gave him a, a, a gift a gift for Christmas just before he died, and it was tear-jerking, and it was, you know, this wonderful story, and it was irresistible, and it came out of a small newspaper in Tennessee, and then it got picked up nationally, and then it, like wildfire, of course, nobody in the national media ever even said, wait a minute, hold on, this story doesn't make any damn sense, there's no corroboration for it, there should be massive corroboration, like, for instance, What's the boy's name? What, what did he die of? Uh, if there was a, a death of a five-year-old boy, there would have been a funeral, and everyone at the funeral would have been talking about this beautiful story involving Santa Claus. And, oh, by the way, when did this actually happen? And which the date kept changing, and it was nowhere near Christmas. And, and it turns out that the story was a complete fraud, uh, I'm not sure that anyone ever fully ever admitted that. They, the newspaper did back away from it and said they could not uh, verify it anymore. Uh, it's my belief that what really happened, although I've never been able to prove this, uh, that what really happened here was that the Santa Claus was cheating on Mrs. Claus and needed a reason to stay in Knoxville while she went to Nashville, and he made up this uh, tear-jerking story as an excuse for why he wanted to be alone. That's, that's the best that I could figure out what happened there. But the reason why I mention this is this story was obviously absurd right off the bat, and yet universally it was copy and paste in the news media. Oh, you know, we love this narrative. We're going with this. And, you know, I guess the, the underlying premise is no harm, no foul. 
and as being a truth guy, I'm like, well, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> the truth matters. And, you know, so I, I, I went out there on Mediate and I said, this, this doesn't make any damn sense. And then eventually, you know, very quickly it all fell apart. Well, that, there's a lot of similarities between that story and the Jesse Smollett story, except, and this shows you how much political correctness protection Jesse Smollett had, because he had even more political correctness protection than Santa Claus. I mean, Santa Claus, you don't, no one wants to attack Santa Claus, but you really don't want to attack, if you're the news media, a black, gay, anti-Trump liberal who's a, somewhat of a celebrity, a TV uh, actor on a, on a well-known show, Empire, on Fox, who is now also the victim of a hate crime. Now, you wrap that scenario together, and that is as strong a political correctness protection as you're going to get. That is almost a, a force field that is impervious to attack. Because uh, in the media's mind, in the minds of the Democratic Party and all the Democrats, all the top Democrats, including presidential candidates, rushed to Jussie Smollett's defense when he claimed that he was the victim of a heinous hate crime at the hands of pro-Trump supporters while in Chicago at 2 a.m. in the middle of a polar vortex. I mean, this, <clears throat> this made no sense right off the bat. I mean, there were so many things about this story that made no sense. One of them, of course, was how in the world would these random people even recognize Jesse Smollett? I mean, because before this story, he was maybe known to fans of Empire. Maybe. Okay, so how many Trump supporters, how many maniac Trump supporters are huge fans of Empire? And then decide that while carrying bleach and rope for no reason at 2 a.m. in the middle of a polar vortex, that they're, they see Jesse Smollett, recognize Jesse How would anyone even recognize Jesse Smollett? First of all, it's cold. You're wrapped up in clothing. I would, it, it, in all seriousness, at 2 a.m. in Chicago, it, it wrapped up in, in warm clothing, I wouldn't recognize Michael Jordan. I would not. I would not for sure. And he's six foot six. Okay. So I mean, even at the six foot six, I might go, wait a minute. That guy seems like a basketball player. But the, the, the reality is nobody's recognizing Jesse Smollett. Nobody. And so the story is absurd on its face. Now, that doesn't mean it's not possible. Absurd things happen all the time. But guess what happens when absurd things happen? There's evidence that they occur. There's actual evidence, and there was almost none here. I mean, basically all we had was he had a cut on his cheek. He claimed to have some rib, rib injuries, and, and it's still ambiguous as to whether or not he was ever had bleach poured on him. He supposedly had this rope around his neck, which, we, which he kept around his neck for like 45 minutes after the alleged attack, which also didn't make any sense. He claimed to be on the phone with his manager, which, again, didn't make any sense to me because I'm like, wait a minute, it's 2 a.m. Now, I didn't know where his manager was, and apparently, according to what Smollett would later say on Good Morning America to Robin Roberts, he didn't know where his manager was because he said that he called his manager because he thought his manager was in Australia, and therefore, you know, it would already be daytime there, right, at 2 a.m., and so, in fact, it, I don't even know what time it would be in Australia. And, but the reality is that his excuse was it was rational to call it 2 a.m. because he thought 
his manager was in Australia. It was interesting to me that he said that to Robin Roberts on ABC back before the story totally fall, fell apart, at least publicly, privately it already was, and I knew it was bullshit, and I told you it was bullshit, but uh, he said that, and that to me felt like that's a made-up story, okay? You're looking for, so his manager clearly wasn't in Australia, but he needs an excuse for why he's calling at 2 a.m. That also indicates to me that He's making it up as he goes and not. Right. That's the that's the problem right there. Wait a minute. You're, you're going to tell me he wasn't in Australia, but you thought he was, and that's why you were calling him at 2 a.m. And supposedly, just by some miraculous coincidence, you're on the phone with him while this happens, but, but you don't want to give your phone over to police. Really? Seriously? Yeah, I, I have a problem with that. Yeah, that's it, ticket. Yeah, there, there's no way. There's no way you wouldn't. And now he claimed on Good Morning America, I'm a celebrity and you don't want to see my pictures, i.e. my dick pics, you know, or, or my friend's dick pics because I'm gay. I mean, so, I mean, you know, there, he, and of course, Robin Roberts was happy to accept, oh, yes, we celebrities must, we must all stick together. Uh, us black gay celebrities must stick together and, and not allow the police to access our phones, even when our phones are the basis of our entire claim. The proof of the claim is I was on the phone with my manager and he actually heard the scuffle. So none of this made any damn sense. And I, at first, like this happens to me a lot. I don't honestly go looking for these stories. I don't. My, my, you know, my BS detector, I wasn't that interested because I, I don't know who the hell's Jesse Smollett. I don't care. But the story didn't seem right. And then it became far more political because he's claiming that these were Trump supporters. They called him nigger. They, uh, they, uh, I think they also made a homophobic, uh, I don't know if they said faggot or not, but they, they, it was clear to him, at least allegedly, that this was a race and sexuality based attack. And that they also said, this is MAGA country. Now, the this is MAGA country, I think, was for most people. That's when we're like, okay, this is... He's making it up as he goes and not. This is total bullshit. This is, this is, this is no, there's no way that, uh, that this would happen in Chicago. Uh, again, 2 a.m. in the middle of a polar vortex and, and all of that. Uh, and so as I, I started to look into it, and, you know, it was interesting, not surprising to me, because I've seen it many times before, that the news media was totally buying in. I mean, they're, they're, they got blinders on. You remember, his biography is like kryptonite to uh, liberals and Democrats and the news media. Oh, he's, he's black. He's, he's gay. He's a celebrity. He's liberal. He's anti-Trump. He's down with the struggle. And now he's a hate crime victim. So, so there's just no way he could possibly be lying. I mean, that's what we were told with Christine Ford, right? Against uh, Brett Kavanaugh, a prominent person would never, ever, ever. They would never do that. It would never happen because prominent people just don't lie about assault, especially with no apparent motivation. What's the motivation? Well, sometimes people do things for strange reasons, even if they're semi-prominent. But let's go back to the, to the story itself. So 
the media is all of a sudden goes into lockdown and you don't hear much about the story after the first couple of days. And that, of course, is always disconcerting because I'm a big believer in, okay, sometimes things that don't happen are as important or more so than things that actually do happen because there should be things happening. Like the police, especially in this area of Chicago, should be saying, we're gathering evidence. We've got a video. We, uh, we, we've got suspects. Uh, we're going to track these guys down. Uh, this story is outrageous. And we're, we're, well, they did say that, but we, we need, we're, we're close to coming to, you know, a resolution here. And instead the police did the opposite. They started leaking out, yeah, um, we, we believe it happened, or at least we're going to say publicly we believe it happened because we're not going to say anything negative about uh, someone with this kind of political correctness protection, especially in a very liberal city with a large black population like Chicago, because if we're wrong, we're going to get totally hosed. But it is now very clear, and I was told this early on by some really good sourcing within the media in Chicago, that the police never really believed this story. Now, there's a lot of reasons why they may not have believed the story, but what I find fascinating about the way the police handled this is, it seems to me as if the police played possum on uh, Jesse Smollett, and even I was duped to a certain degree because the police pretended like they knew nothing. You know, like Sergeant Schultz. I know nothing that I think was on purpose and what was happening in reality behind the scenes is that they knew a lot. They didn't know everything. In fact, their original theory of the case turned out to be slightly wrong, but here's what happened. So a couple of days, I don't know if it was more than a couple of days, but after having no evidence that this occurred as Smollett said, the police released a photograph, actually two photographs of surveillance video of two, what looked to me like blobs walking down the street in Chicago and referred to them as persons of interest. And at the time, I thought this was laughable. I thought, come on, really? It's just flat out ridiculous. I mean, you can't see who these people are. You don't even know if they're male or female. It's just two blobs walking down a street. And also we were told, and I don't know 100% if this is true or not, but, it's, but it was widely reported that these people were walking away from where this supposedly happened about 15 to 30 minutes before it occurred, which doesn't make a lot of sense. So I interpreted the the photographs being released by the police as Basically them saying, look, we're trying our best to try to find something that substantiates the story. And this is the best we can do. And it's just such utter crap that maybe people will start to realize that there's nothing substantiating the story. But we want to make it clear we're doing our very best. That, that's what I interpreted the police as doing. I now no longer believe that's what was really happening. I believe that what was really happening was that they were snookering Smollett and maybe these two guys as well, because they knew exactly who these two guys were. Here's what happened. Using remarkable modern technology they and all the surveillance cameras, they were able to track these two guys 
into an Uber that they took that night. And I guess once they got the Uber, they were able to identify who they were. Now, these guys left the country. They're Nigerians. They're brothers. And they found out, of course, the first thing they find out is, wait a minute, they're not white. <laughs> As Jesse Smollett, according to TMZ, had said that they were. They're very black. And oh, by the way, one of them has worked, at least one of them has worked as an extra on Smollett's television show. Bum, bum, bum. Okay, so that right there, the police know, okay, hold everything. We got a problem. Houston, we have a problem. Because this story is not checking out. I mean, Smollett's saying these were, you know, two white uh, Donald Trump supporters. And here we have two black Nigerian brothers who, by the way, are ripped. They are bodybuilders. If the two of them had uh, wanted to beat up uh, Jesse Smollett, Smollett would have had a heck of a lot more than just a cut underneath his eye. Uh, and, and the reality is that none of this was checking out. But they didn't say this publicly. Now, they also, and this is where the police got it wrong and where I was a little bit misled, but not on purpose, uh, by my sourcing, the original theory that they were coming up with was that Smollett was having a romantic relationship with one of these two guys. I'm not sure which one. I think it was probably the one that was the extra on, uh, on, on Empire. Which, by the way, and I doubt the media is going to go down this road, but that, by the rules of the Me Too revolution, that's a Me Too problem. Okay, Smollett, among everything else, should have a Me Too problem. He was apparently, this hasn't been proven yet, but he was apparently using uh, his power as a star on the show in a relationship, a gay relationship he was in, to coerce his romantic partner, potential romantic partner, and that guy's brother into engaging in a fake hate crime. But I'll, I'll put that aside for now. That's a, that's, a, that's a side story in this whole uh, fiasco. So the police, they, they know the identity. They don't say they know the identity. And, uh, and they're basically making it seem like we don't have anything. Boy, you know, it sure looks like um, these guys are going to get away, you know, unless we get some help from the public here. Gee, poor us, help us, when in fact they already know everything or virtually everything. And they presumed that this was some sort of either a hoax or potentially maybe a love triangle gone bad. That maybe this was a jilted lover who he and his brother got together and decided to beat up Smollett. Of course, they didn't do a very good job of beating him up. That was the original theory by police. But now that theory has changed because... When Smollett went on to Good Morning America and did that softball interview with Robin Roberts, and it, let's be clear, I mean, this is, you know, the media is so broken, and we see this all the time, but because of fragmentation, you can pick and choose which media outlet you want to tell your story to. And so here Smollett goes to uh, Robin Roberts, who is black, liberal, gay, celebrity, cancer survivor. So, I mean, they've got all this, you know, in common. Uh, and, of course, she, she, you really think she's going to be tough on Jesse Smollett? No. I mean, that's like, uh, you know, almost like Ivanka Trump uh, interviewing Donald Trump. 
I mean, there's, you're not going to get the truth there. Correct. So that's essentially what happens. But sometimes, sometimes, and this is probably a bad metaphor, given the nature of the, the, uh, the story here and the, the use of uh, alleged noose, which turns out to be fake. But essentially what the police did here was, and essentially what Robin Roberts unwittingly did, was that they gave Smollett enough rope to hang himself. So he starts telling his story publicly, and he says a few things. I've already referenced one of them about calling uh, his manager we thought was in Australia. But he also says, and I found and this, this was, to me, just mind-blowing. He actually says to Good Morning America, when shown the photographs of those two blobs walking down the street in Chicago, that, yep, those are the guys that did this to me. Now, how could you possibly know that? How could you possibly know that? So you, 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 <laughs> you were actually attacked by these guys, yet you can't give a very good description of them. You can't describe their voices, which is interesting considering they end up being Nigerian. Uh, and, uh, but you can tell from the photograph that these two blobs were the guys. Now, that was interesting to me because... You could interpret that as he's desperate for anything that supposedly substantiates his story. So he's just going to jump on it, even if he didn't know whether those were the two guys or not. Or he already knows those were, in fact, the two guys because they kind of look like their frames. And he knows no one else was around in the middle of a polar vortex at that time. And he knows they were the ones that actually did, quote unquote, attack him, except it was all a fake, a fraud, a phony, and a hoax. And it makes sense for him to keep with that cover story because in his mind, and this is the important part, in his mind, because the police had played possum, he didn't think they were going to find these guys. He thought he had gotten away with it, and that's why it was safe to go on Good Morning America and be interviewed by Robin Roberts. But the police already knew who they were. Now, I'm not exactly sure how it transpired that these guys come back into the country and they get apprehended and then they get questioned. And I'm told reliably that part of the confusion that occurs over the next couple of days is there these guys tell a couple of different versions of their story whether they tried to to protect smollett at the beginning i don't know but by the end of it they had flipped on smollett big time and that became very obvious when on a friday night it was announced that after having been arrested these two nigerians were being released without being charged and at that moment, at that moment, there was no chance, no chance that Jesse Smollett's story was true because we, we knew that these were the guys that, that uh, allegedly did this. Smollett himself had identified them, and we knew that uh, they were black, that they did not fit the description, and we knew that they, that he, that they knew him. And we also knew that they'd gone from being arrested for battery to being released. Well, in a logical world, there's only one interpretation of that. And that is they had flipped on Smollett and that this whole thing had to be a hoax because there's no other scenario that makes any sense. Of course, the news media, to them, especially with the circumstances here, they're either too cowardly or just, you know, they're just a bunch of... 
to be able to put all of these dots together and come up with a, a picture that makes sense. You know, that that's the liberal kryptonite on this case. People like me look at this and the biography, the political correctness production doesn't make a damn bit of difference. And it's very obvious that what's really happening here. So I wrote a third column. I actually had written two previously. I wrote a third column on Saturday morning saying, when will the news media admit that they got duped and the liberal establishment admit that they got duped by Jesse Smollett? And of course, some people were like, oh, Ziegler's way out ahead of his skis on this one. Oh, my God, here's Ziegler again. Well, uh, the answer to that question turned out to be about 10 hours. Because <laughs> although they'll never fully acknowledge that they were duped, they'll only partially acknowledge it in the middle of a holiday weekend and move on as quickly as possible, which is what's going to happen here. Uh, but the police finally announced that, uh, yeah, uh, we suspect uh, very strongly that Smollett paid the two Nigerians to perpetrate a hoax. We're still not sure about the full motivation because Fox Television completely embarrassed themselves by putting out a statement saying, no, 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 no. These reports that Jesse thought he was, Jesse th thought he was being uh, written out of the show are totally false. We totally stand behind him. He's awesome. And uh, and the reality is that, uh, you know, whether that was the motivation or not, we don't know. It could have just been attention. I mean, let's be let's be clear. Before this, no one knew who Jussie Smollett is. Now, almost everybody knows, at least has heard the name Jussie Smollett. And he thought he was going to be a hate crime hero. Let's be clear. I, I think the number one thing the news media does not get about these situations and this always gets me back to the Penn State Joe Paterno, Jerry Sandusky case, is that there is now honor in being a victim. Victimhood is the new American dream. That's what victimhood is, as, as long as it's victimhood where you don't really suffer for real. <laughs> like, take Colin Kaepernick. I think there are a lot of comparisons here between Jussie Smollett and Colin Kaepernick, except Kaepernick got away with it. I don't think he ever imagined it was going to work as well as it did, but the media carried his water and no one was willing to, no one in the NFL was willing to, to call him on the hoax. His hoax was that he was blackballed from the NFL because he knelt during the national anthem. No, what really happened was he was blackballed from the NFL because he sucked because his style of play eliminated him from consideration from two-thirds of the NFL teams, and him kneeling for the national anthem had created so much political baggage that it wasn't worth signing a fringe player. Look at his last three years in the NFL. Two of them statistically sucked, and the third one, his team won one game, barely. But the media bought into this because the sports media is a bunch of liberals, just like the national news media. In fact, I, be I believe the, the sports media nationally is more liberal than the national news media. I really do believe that. And they, they ended up uh, making Kaepernick uh, way more money than he ever would have made in the remainder of his career. He has the massive Nike contract. He just got a settlement from the NFL. Who knows how much money he made there. And then, of course, laughably, his Nike campaign is based upon the idea that he risked everything to stand up for the truth. What a load of crap that is. That's it's just flat out ridiculous. It's totally the opposite of reality. But that's the world we live in now. It's Alice in Wonderland. Everything is 
the opposite of what it should be. Up is down, down is up, right is wrong, wrong is right. And Colin Kaepernick is making millions of dollars for being a, a hero to the left when, in fact, he duped them. He duped them. He just did a lot better job than Jesse Smollett did because the police in Chicago actually had an incentive to crack this case, especially when it got too big. This thing got too big for the police to just say, heck with it. And ironically, I'm told from my media sources in Chicago that part of what drove this was that the Democratic mayor of Chicago, Rahm Emanuel from the Obama era, Rahm Emanuel was pissed. And he essentially, I think, this is my interpretation of what I'm being told, I think that when Jesse Smollett went on Good Morning America, I think he said, okay, that's it, fuck it, unleash the dogs. Uh, and Because and, and the timing on this is remarkable. He goes on Good Morning America, and immediately after that, everything blows up. And, uh, and so, uh, and now... Uh, Smollett is is almost certainly going to be charged with something. What it is, I don't know. It's also important to point out, the police are still uncertain about the romantic element of this. Again, a part of what led them immediately down the path of this can't be real is that they were able to discern that Smollett had a relationship with at least one of these two brothers. And come on, let's let's face it. I mean, if you know anything about gay culture, this isn't a stretch. You just look at the pictures of these two guys. I mean, this is exactly the kind of guy that Jesse Smollett would be dating. Uh, and, he's, and he happens to be an extra uh, on his television show. Uh, again, there's the Me Too issue that probably will never be raised uh, about Jesse Smollett because he's, I guess he's got bigger problems now. Uh, but, but the police still believe that there's a very good chance that the connection here was at least partially romantic, but that there was payment involved. What his motivation was, I don't know. Again, I've already mentioned some people just love attention. People love wrapping themselves and being a victim. He's very anti-Trump. He, he figured people would buy this, which they did for a couple of weeks, at least on the left they did, and that this would make him a hero on the left. Whether he had Colin Kaepernick in mind, I don't know. But but that's what his motivation was. And I do think that this is relevant to the Brett Kavanaugh situation. Because let's be clear, the only thing Christine Ford had in her favor was prominent people would never tell a story like this publicly. Why would, why would they go through this kind of scrutiny and aggravation? Of course, there is no scrutiny and aggravation uh, on the left, because the story is just immediately embraced. Well, why would they do it? Now, to be clear, I don't believe that Christine Ford flat out lied. I think Christine Ford duped herself or was manipulated by her therapist into believing something occurred that did not, which is why she can't even remember how she got home and that why, why no one corroborates her story. But it's still the same thing. A prominent person coming forward publicly to claim assault in a way that was not true that liberals embraced. And this is hardly the only situation we've seen. It's happened time and time again. Of course, it doesn't make big enough news for it to become a narrative, except on the extreme right. On the extreme right, people automatically now presume, oh, this must be another bullshit story because so many of them have been, been proven to be bullshit in the past. But in the, And this is why the fact that they're just going to move on from Jesse Smollett probably very fast 
matters because it doesn't set in stone. It doesn't ingrain in people's mindset, other than, again, on the far right. It doesn't ingrain in their mindset that this is how things often work, that the narrative doesn't get set. And unfortunately, it makes it more easy for this to happen again in the future. And, one, and the column I wrote today, the third column I wrote about this, which, again, you can find at freespeechbroadcasting.com, deals with how it was that I actually go through a math, mathematical equation to figure out that these stories are probably false. It's a very simple mathematical equation. All you got to do is give a grade on a scale of 1 to 100. You give a grade to the inherent plausibility of the story. You add that to the amount of evidence that exists in comparison to the amount of evidence that you would expect to exist if it was true. And then you divide that by how hesitant the news media and the authorities are to debunk the story because of political correctness. And when you make that mathematical equation with Jesse Smollett, it was obvious from the start that it can't be true. Well, couldn't, not, couldn't, can't be true, but it, that it's almost certainly not true. And of all the stories I've ever been involved with, and there have been many, including Brett Kavanaugh, including Jim Jordan, including others, the only story that got a lower grade in that mathematical equation than Jesse Smollett was Penn State Joe Paterno and Jerry Sandusky. Because nothing's ever going to reach the score that that one gets because that was off the charts. And that one's not true. Although the news media will never accept that because like five-year-olds are with Santa Claus, they're completely and totally invested in the mythology. This one didn't get ingrained deeply enough for anyone to be invested in it. And thank goodness for the Chicago police having the balls to say, wait a minute, we're going to blow this up if it's not true. And it wasn't true, and they've blown it up, and we'll see where it goes from here. But my guess is that the news media just move along, everyone. Nothing to see here. This is not emblematic or representative of anything else that ever has ever happened before or will ever happen again. This is totally unique. We cannot derive any larger meaning from this development. Please move along, everyone. Nothing to see here. Well, there are consequences for that. And this is where it gets to Trump. And I wrote about this today for Mediate. This all is helping Trump dramatically. It's not just Jesse Smollett. It's the Covington Catholic fiasco. It's Brett Kavanaugh. It's stories involving alleged Trump scandals that turn out not to be true. The reality is, and I hate this as an anti-Trump conservative, but the reality is that the mainstream news media, even some very good news organizations, which still do exist, although they're no, none of them are perfect, are being completely discredited because of this issue. They have no credibility in the minds of Trump supporters. And the only way that Trump can ever be, forget about removed, maybe even be defeated in re-election, is if at least some of those Trump supporters believe what they're being told by the press and not by him. Believe me. I mean, they're going to believe him because he has been able to plant this BS fake news narrative in the minds of Colt 45. I love the poorly educated. And unfortunately, I got to tell you, it's not all that irrational because there have been so many of these fake stories that are actually fake. Now, they don't deal directly with him, most of them, but tangentially they do. Obviously, Brett Kavanaugh, Covington Catholic, 
and Jussie Smollett all have an important Trump element to them. And the news media is helping Donald Trump. And as I tweeted last night, and I got retweeted like I think 2,000 times, which is very rare for, for one of my tweets, I said, look, uh, dear news media, next time you're frustrated or baffled about why the Trump supporters will not believe anything you report about the Russian scandal, which, by the way, is real. We don't know the details of it, but it's a real scandal. But the next time you're you're frustrated and baffled by why they won't believe anything you report about the Russian scandal, why don't you remember how you handled Brett Kavanaugh? Remember how you handled Covington Catholic? Remember how you handled Jussie Smollett? And then look at yourselves and go, oh, crap, we're going to get Donald Trump reelected. Because that's a real good possibility, depending on who the Democrats nominate. So that's the Jesse Smollett story. One of the more uh, other interesting elements of what happened here is that um, I got asked on Glenn Beck's show on Friday to talk about this. I've done a bunch of interviews on this, and I I even think, and I don't think I'm I'm being delusional here. I think I played a small, small underline small, but significant role in helping the Chicago police have enough cover to do what they did. Uh, that's kind of my role in, in life, by the way. Small but significant. <laughs> um, but uh, and, and very rarely getting any credit for it. But I did a bunch of interviews in Chicago this week where because uh, they couldn't find anybody that was willing to have the balls to say this is bullshit. So they go to, they go to John Ziegler, senior columnist at Mediate, and um, and the columns I was writing, I think, I think may have helped. Again, I'm not going to take remotely any credit for this. It's just I think it was part of the equation where nobody else was willing to provide cover for those who were questioning the story. Because I got to tell you, I don't think the actual average human believed the story ever, based upon my react, you know, the reactions I've gotten uh, on the radio and Twitter and Facebook and elsewhere. But anyway, what was interesting was. I got asked on Glenn Beck's show, because, and that was odd because I haven't been on Glenn's show in a long time. Of course, you know, Glenn and I have had somewhat of a relationship. I, I thought somewhat of a friendship. He's been on this podcast several times. Uh, he's been very complimentary of me. Uh, John Ziegler, I, I think he's fantastic. What a, what a interesting mind he has. But he's disappeared since he has gone far more in a pro-Trump direction. And... And and I even I, I've been a little bit more open about my criticism of the direction he's gone on Trump. Not anything I wouldn't say to him personally. I mean, I I've, I've, I have zero hesitation saying anything to him personally. It's just the way that I am. But I've been a little bit more open in my criticism of him, partially because he wasn't even having me on to talk about these types of stories. Like he didn't have me on to talk about Kavanaugh where I was the perfect person to talk about the Kavanaugh deal. And in fact, he was even doing shows here in Los Angeles while that was breaking. And I'm like, dude, how do you not have me down to the studio? And he gave me some excuse and I'm, and I'm interpreting, and of course, this is my own paranoia and post-traumatic stress disorder, but I'm, I'm interpreting that as, okay, you know, I'm anti-Trump. So I'm no, I'm now, uh, somehow toxic, even in Glenn Beck's world. So he suddenly had me on on Friday, which was interesting timing uh, after I had started to 
very mildly criticize him. And he's, he's asked me to come on again on Monday, although that we don't have a definitive time on that. So uh, make sure you check out my Twitter feed or Facebook, what have you. And I'm, if that does, in fact, happen, uh, I'm sure I'll let you know. But uh, it was good to talk to Glenn, and we got along real well. And I hope it, it, opens, I hope it does happen on Monday. If not, then uh, who the heck knows what that means. But that's the, that's the Jesse Smollett story. And I do think it helps Trump, and I do think that it's emblematic of the larger liberal lunacy that is helping Trump. Uh, I think the, the whole Green New Deal, the whole uh, Amazon bailing out of New York City, the whole obsession with uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez as being the new star of the left, uh, and she's an idiot, but she's cute, so she gets traffic, and so the, the right elevates her, which makes the left incensed, and then the left elevates her, which makes the right incensed, and there's this bizarre symbiotic relationship, which is very similar, by the way, to the rise of Trump. And she even seems to understand that. She has, she's incorporated a lot of very Trumpy tactics in what she does, including never admitting defeat. <laughs> if she gets caught in a lie, no, it didn't happen, fake news. If, if she loses thousands of jobs for her district when Amazon bolts because of her, she actually declares victory. She declared victory. This is awesome that we got rid of Amazon. Now, it's delusional, but to the people who love her, they love her more. And we're living in a world now where all you got to do is appeal to your cult. You got to find a cult that's big enough, loyal enough, and lucrative enough to keep you going, whether you're in the media and that's what you're doing, you're grifting, or in politics, keep you elected. That's what you do. Trump did that. He mastered that. He won the presidency with a fairly small cult. And AOC, as she's being referred, uh, is understanding that and doing very much the same thing, but in a way that's very dangerous to Democrats and their quest to defeat Donald Trump in 2020. And I talk a little bit more about this in the Individual One podcast, which I hope that you'll check out. Uh, but uh, I'm concerned. And I also discussed this with John Yarmouth, which you can check out in hour number two of the World According to Zig podcast. But I'm, I'm very concerned right now about where this is heading, that the, the, the liberals have, have just lost their minds. The media has lost their minds. They've lost credibility. It's all playing right into Donald Trump's hands. Yes, his approval ratings are historically very low, uh, but it does not look like he's going to get a primary challenge. I wrote a column about that this week, which you can check out at freespeechbroadcasting.com, which is very troubling because if you look at the history of this, this is important, folks. Not only is it incredibly depressing that no major Republican is likely to challenge Donald Trump for the 2020 GOP nomination. Bill Weld does not count. I mean, Bill Weld is, seems like a decent enough guy, but he's a, a, a libertarian, lefty, pseudo-Republican from, from Massachusetts who cannot stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with Donald Trump. He'll get 2%, uh, I don't know, maybe 5% at most, and he will not be a threat, assuming that even happens. But the fact that that's not going to happen in a big way historically is incredibly significant. If you look at the last nine times a sitting president ran for, for election, five times they were unopposed for the primary, and five times they won. Four times they were opposed for the primary, and four times they lost. So there is a hell of a correlation there. And while Trump tends to blow up all historical precedents, both good and bad, 
I think that's important to at least keep in mind. So I, I'm more and more concerned about where we're heading on that front and, and, and so concerned that I can even conceive, I'm not near, nearly there yet, I can even conceive, and I've seen other people who are in my mindset say the same thing, I can even conceive of a situation where I am not supporting Trump being defeated in 2020 because of what the alternative might theoretically be. I hope that's not where we're going to end up because I want Trump gone. I think this is a cancer that needs to be removed. And this whole wall situation is emblematic of everything that he is. He's a fraud. He's not going to get the wall. It's never going to happen. He's breaking all sorts of precedents. He's setting the liberals up to be able to do whatever they want once they get real power. Uh, and he won't care because he won't be around. Conservatism will be dead. And in the long run, the country is going to suffer a hell of a lot more than whatever the heck he's worth in the short run. That's my view on Trump. It's always been my view on Trump, and I think it was further vindicated this week. But there is still a very, very good chance that we end up with this for six more years and not uh, just two more because the Democrats, as they always do, are overplaying their hand. All right, so as I said, please make sure you check out our number two of the podcast, uh, the interview with John Yarmouth, also the Individual One podcast, which you can find at freespeechbroadcasting.com and my Twitter page. Please make sure you follow Individual One at Individual One Pod. That's Individual, the number one pod. Subscribe, rate, review that show. That would be very helpful. And as always, I only ask two things of you on this one. Uh, just uh, please share it via social media, Twitter, Facebook, word of mouth, what have you. And if you're one of those people who sleeps at night and when you sleep, you use sheets, do yourself a favor and pay attention to this important message. My name is John Ziegler. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Coffee? Oh, thanks. How did you sleep? Ugh, like a baby. I don't want to get out of bed. Ever. These sheets are mm, incredibly soft. What did you say they're called again? Performance bedding by Sheiks. <laughs> performance bedding? <laughs> yeah. They're made from super high-tech performance fabric. They're incredibly breathable, so you're not waking up at night throwing covers off and then an hour later throwing them back on. Huh. No wonder I slept so good. Since I started using Sheiks, I sleep like a baby. No more sweaty nights for me. No? Well. <laughs> well, I like them because they're soft. They feel like, mm, silk. Performance fabric, huh? Maybe we should... Oh, I don't know. Try them out again. <laughs> <laughs> Comfort and performance for better sleep. That's Sheiks. S-H-E-E-X. Sheiks. Try Sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 1212.